Curating curiosity through compelling conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am Jesse Mogul, host of Everything's Interesting with Jesse Mogul. Make sure you're finding me on my website, mediamogul.com. Find me on iTunes at mediamogul.com forward slash iTunes. You can find me on Facebook at Media Mogul, and everything else is at Jesse Mogul. Finally, doing a real, actual interview with someone in person. My good friend, I've known him for a long time, Bruce Ellaby. Really great at fitness, really great at nutrition. He's got a lot going on in his life. Welcome to the show, Bruce. How are you today? I'm doing good. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm so glad <laughs> we finally had a chance to meet up. You're yeah, my, I know. You're my very first interview. I haven't plugged it. I haven't had uh, somebody wearing my other set of headphones yet, so uh-huh. thank you for letting, allowing me to pop uh, my interview in Cherry. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm popping the headphone Cherry. Yeah, That's good. You're, you're definitely doing a good job. <laughs> so far, we are rocking it out. Um, you know, let's talk about your background with fitness and nutrition, because okay. I know who you are. I know everything that you've been doing, but maybe not everybody else does. So tell me, you know, what's your background in the fitness nutrition world? Well, um, my fitness and nutrition basically came from a long time of me wanting to get myself in shape. Once I kind of zeroed in on that, then uh, my uh, I was introduced to CrossFit and became a CrossFit coach, uh, NASM experience, uh, change of direction, different things like that. Uh, and then I developed this workout called SpeedX in 2011, which that went on to win the best new workout of LA in 2011, awesome. which was pretty cool. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it put a little something on my belt. Um, and I always had these aspirations to just become better and to work with different, uh, you know, different levels of people from your novice to your athlete and everything in between. So uh, I've been blessed to be able to work. I had um, uh, worked with a few guys, NFL training camp, a couple of maybe a year or so ago where I had people like Mercedes Lewis and Reggie Bush and uh, Akeem Ayers. We had like 14 players there that was uh, really cool. And being able to go into how these guys work out versus uh crossfitters and all that was like it was like day and night for the most part but um yeah i've done everything across the board from your novice to your athlete and as far as nutrition is concerned just helping people deal with what's best for them i'm what you would probably call uh nutrition agnostic for the most part where i don't necessarily believe that there's one specific diet that works for everyone uh, there's a lot of things that you have to kind of put into play. So therefore, when I deal with my my clients, I kind of see what's best for them versus, hey, this is the best. This is the new tra- uh, trend that's out. You you know, you're doing keto or you're doing paleo or you're doing these different all these different uh, nutrition or diets that are out there. It's like it's not about being on a diet. It's about finding something that you can uh, that's working for you and that you can that's going to sustain you know you for the rest of your life something that's doable for the rest of your life because when you're on a diet it's not maintainable yeah uh, this is a great segue because rather than going back to the fitness let's jump right into nutrition so many people care about what they're putting into their bodies now uh-huh. and it really isn't a diet anymore it's it, i call it my nutrition strategy you know it's a lifestyle and, and i really don't like the word diet because it, it makes it sound like that's 30 days of willpower and then you can go back to eating chocolate or processed foods mm-hmm. and it's not you know like the whole 30 is a diet where people cut out sugar for 30 days, but is that sustainable? Can you do that? And I know a lot of people who come straight out of a Whole30 and eat a gallon ice cream the next day, and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the point of this entire thing. Yeah. And so when you do have clients approaching you, I mean, there's so much out there. I mean, you know, 
what was it? Uh, you know, paleo is huge now, but there used to be that one where it was like the no the no carb diet. Yeah, uh, Atkins diet. Atkins diet yeah, was yeah. huge for a long time. I mean, I sit there and watch people eat like three hamburger patties with four slices <laughs> of cheese, but skip the bun. I'm like, I don't. You know, that's not the way it works. And now I'm I'm very much into eating a lot of very a very heavy good fat diet. And the mm-hmm. fact that you even have to say good fats. It blows my mind because when I say, oh, yeah, I re- eat a really heavy fat diet, people are like, what are you eating? You're, they think I'm eating cookies or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I think, Fed Up is a, is, was a movie that was all about the sugar industry. When people come to you asking you about nutrition and you do have to go into that part, you have to find what works for you. There's a lot of experimentation. How do you prompt them? What's the first couple steps you give them to making the change that will at least get them to start seeing a result that gives them the motivation to continue? Well, the first thing is that I try to have them be 100% honest with themselves because a lot of times people will think that they're eating a certain way and sometimes eating a certain way is not even eating enough. You know, they might go and they're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to skip calories. And so it's like being honest with yourself on how am I treating my body? Am I fueling my body for, uh, for what my day needs? If I'm going to work out, if I'm working out early in the morning time, if I'm working out in the evening time, if I'm working out at all that day, it's like, how am I fueling my body correctly? So uh, being able, like prompting them or tell, letting them go home, this is what I need you to do. Take a, a good look at, what, at what's going on in your in your refrigerator and in your house and in all your that. Your pantry, it, is yeah, there, exactly. Is because there a lot of boxes and cans. And that's the thing is that a lot of people want to think, okay, well, I'm I'm, you know, I'm eating I'm eating clean and everything, but they have a lot of processed foods within their you know in their home, and they're not really thinking about a lot of this stuff. They'll have like cheeses and and all this stuff like uh, Velveeta cheese and different things like this, and then they'll they're also looking at oh well I'm buying low fat, and they're not understanding the whole concept of the entire the entire picture. So uh, yeah, getting them to understand that what they're putting in their bodies, they need to start thinking from a whole food perspective, not a supplement perspective or anything like that, but a whole food perspective. How much of your, nutri- your nutrients can you get through eating whole foods, through eating your, the right vegetables, through eating the right types of protein, right types of fat, right types of carbohydrates, and then kind of helping them experiment because diets, if you want to call them diets, I w- I'll call it a way of life or whatever, is an experiment. Yes. Because you cannot say that my friend might be really good, his body might accept the keto diet, really really well but my genetics my body will not may not deal with that much fat in my diet so my body might might take it in a totally different way so being able to experiment finding out and keeping that information on okay well how do you feel this week what did you eat this week keeping and and sometimes at the beginning it's about being really really detailed really really uh anal about what am i eating a yeah, lot I'm of a big fan of, of keeping a food log, like in my yeah, fitness yeah. pal. Yeah, I bought a scale. I weighed out my food. Now I can sort of visualize it because mm-hmm. I'm used to it, and, I, and I've come down to the point where I get about 80% full, and then I stop. Yeah. So I understand that that's a good methodology too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see a lot of pushback from, from new clients that, about having to keep track of their food in such a manner? Yeah, because it becomes tedious, it and does. a lot of people always think that they don't have time. And... 
when you don't have time for your health, then you're, you know, basically you're going down, you're going on the wrong path right there because everything else doesn't matter if you're not healthy to do it. So if you don't have time to be a little bit more tedious about how you're eating, what you're eating, what you're putting in your body, what you're chewing on, all of that, then, I mean, you're basically going to a gym, you're finding a trainer, you're trying to get them to work miracles, but you're not willing to do your part because everything that you do within a gym, it's cool. Get in there you know, do your two hours or your 30 minutes or whatever you're going to be doing. But then once you leave, that's when the magic happens. That's when your body starts to recover. That's when abs the, are made in the kitchen mentality. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in this, we're in this stage. And I think we've always been in this stage where we want, we want, we want what we want right now. Of course. And if I want abs, I don't want abs next summer i want abs this summer but i didn't do what i needed to do last summer to have abs yeah. this summer yeah i remember once a personal trainer telling me that i i only get you one hour a day you're in charge the other 23 mm -hmm. and that's where they really were trying to focus on the diet because i yeah. would believe that i could just go in the gym shred it up for an hour and a half and then go home and pretty much just vaguely pay attention to my diet yeah and eat the sugar when i wanted to and whatnot and there's a lot more focus I mean, when it comes to the to the um, putting things in my fitness pal, I'm a big fan of just having a pad of paper in the kitchen, and as I'm weighing things out, I just write it down on there. Yeah. And then whenever I'm eating my food and I'm sitting there, you know, staring off into space or watching YouTube or whatever, I just start to put it into the app. Then, and I'm like, that cuts out the, the complaint. Well, I don't have time. Yeah. Because I mean, you're. I mean, literally, you just grab some meat, you put it in a bowl, you weigh it out. Oh, seven seven grams or seven ounces. Sweet. And you mm -hmm. write it on a piece of paper. Um, what are what are some of your thoughts on the, the timing of the day? Because uh, I'm a huge intermittent fasting guy. I've been doing mm -hmm. it now for three years. I mm -hmm. swear by it. I still haven't eaten yet today. My last time I ate, consumed food was last night at 10 p.m. Do you have people coming to, at you with that? And do you think that's a fad, intermittent fasting? Or do you think it's a legit way to start doing nutrition strategies? I think it's a legit way to get a hold of where you want to go. Um, and the reason why I say get a hold of where you want to go, because like I said, a lot of times when if you find people that don't necessarily have the willpower to go through and do an intermittent fasting, like you said, it's about what after it's almost two or after two o'clock now. Yeah. Two but or the three. last time that you ate was at 10 p.m. Uh -huh. So we're at four, 16 hours, like now? 16 hours. And at the very beginning stages, it's really hard for people to have that willpower to say, OK, well, if I'm used to having uh, oatmeal in the morning or, or not even oatmeal, I'm used to having bacon and eggs and whatever else they're eating early in the morning. It's like I said, it's training your body in order to be able to do that intermittent fasting. I don't know if you were able to do it right away or if it was something that you had to work into. You know, looking back at it, I do believe it because back then, because I've always been a, one of my side gigs is being a restaurant waiter. Uh -huh. So back when I first got to LA, I wasn't doing I wasn't doing intermittent fasting, and so I would be eating the breakfast there at the restaurant. And mm -hmm. I know when I first got into it, especially working as a waiter, you're around all that food. Yeah. And so I noticed that I was trying to eat breakfast there at eight in the morning before it got busy. Mm -hmm. And then so when I picked up intermittent fasting's idea, I started pushing it further and further, like incrementally each day. I'd be like, okay, I'll wait another thirty minutes. I'll wait an hour. I'll yeah. drink 
some soda water. I used to not drink coffee in the morning. Then I found mm-hmm. co- coffee was a good way to curb the appetite. So I started drinking a little bit of coffee and spreading up like you know, three or four ounce sips of it you know, every yeah. half hour to fight it off. And I'll never forget, Bruce, honestly, the very first time they ever told me I need to do a 24-hour fast was one of the worst days that I could. <laughs> at, at that point, it was one of the worst days I'd ever experienced because I had my last, it, it was one of these, it was, I, I learned it through Engineering the Alpha and they told you on Sundays, eat as many calories as possible. So I was, I was getting up into like the 7,000 cal- 7, calorie range. I was eating cupcakes and ribs and pizzas. I was stuffing myself. And then the idea is that you didn't eat again until Tuesday. Oh, there's a lot of reasons why stuffing yourself on Sunday with 5,000 uh, calories of sugar is not a, bad, not a good idea. Yeah. But I'll never forget how hard that Monday was. And now I do one every Thursday. You know, I just finished one up just the other day. It was relatively easy. By about mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night, I did notice getting hungry. And so there was the willpower there. Where you like, you just got to get yourself used. Some people are like, I don't know how you don't eat breakfast in the morning, and I'm like, I don't know how you eat breakfast in yeah. the morning. I mean, I think as a as a coach, and I know all every every coach has their own methodology behind things on how they do things, but um, I think as a coach, especially when you have like a new client, you have to kind of ease them into the situation and and also get them to understand that this is not an overnight thing. Like you said, the person that you are working with said that they work with you one hour out of that day and it's you the next 23 hours any type of damage that you do within that 23 hours and you're expecting within one hour to fix whatever you did the cupcakes the ribs the all that stuff within that one hour it's like that's impossible yeah so it's a mentality of getting that person to understand that this is basically this is a marathon it's not a sprint it's not going to happen overnight Which is a son of a bitch i hate that part of it dude yeah i'm yeah. a destination guy i've mm-hmm. always been anyone who's listened to my show or talks to me knows i am not a journey guy i'm a destination guy which is that mentality i want it now yeah and i it's it, i still to this day even though i love my intermittent fasting i love my workouts i still have to fight that urge like why isn't this happening faster mm-hmm. When I got sober on January 13th, I went straight to Equinox on the 14th and got my membership rate rocking and rolling and started hitting the gym. And I was almost 240 pounds, and I'm 187 now. And so I've done a great job over these last six months. Thank you. it has also been an everyday. Obs- I don't want to use the word obsession because people think obsession like, I don't know, like you obsess over celebrities or you obsess over food. It's just every day it's a focus. When I go to put something in my mouth, I ask myself, is this helping or is this hurting? Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes just such a focus. Now it's second nature. Now all my favorite foods are saved in my fitness pal. I, I, I pretty much eat the same 30 or 40 foods all the time. So it's not like I'm really stepping outside and trying new things. When yeah. I do go to restaurants, I'm allowed of those calories. But it was a training to get myself to realize this is a destination. Uh, it, it, it's not a destination. It's a journey. I mean, it's a, the rest of your life. Yeah. There's no destination other than a coffin awaiting us, really. Exactly. The rest of it is it's all fun working there. So when you are trying to coach your, your new clients or even ones you've had that you're trying to get them to change their mindsets, what is one of the most important tips tricks, goals, whatever you would call it, to get them to switch that mentality? Or is it something that they just have to finally grow into themselves over time? I think um, it's, it's more, and, and I know a lot of people, I always hear this when um, you, when I listen to uh, like uh, these people like Tony Robbins and, and all of them, I always hear them say, okay, like what's your why for the most part? And you kind of have to ask yourself that same thing when you're like, hey, I want to get in shape. Hey, I want to either gain muscle or I want to lose weight or, you know, just what it is. And that why of whatever you're trying to do has to be more important than everything else. Uh And and so it's like uh, 
like my why for the most part when I was like, okay, well, the reason why I got into health and fitness was because at one point in time, I was like, I need to start getting healthy. I need, and that was because I was looking at my journey and knowing that at the end of my journey or just say it within my journey, I want to have a family, want to have kids, want to be able to run around with my kids, want to do, you know, all of this stuff. And my why was that I wanted to be around for my family. I wanted to be able to just be as active as I possibly can be. And if that's adding another few years onto my life, that's perfect. And so your why has to be that thing that you're like, there's nothing, nothing else that matters. It's not clocking in in the morning. It's not, uh, you know, going to this concert. It's not, it's not, not getting ready for this vacation. It's not, you know, any of this stuff. Right. It's like my why has to be a larger scale of why am I going to put myself, why am I going to change my lifestyle? If I'm going to change my lifestyle, then what's so important? What's on the other side of that hill that's so important that's causing me to want to change my lifestyle? If it's something that's really, um, just well for lack of a better something that's somewhat vague meaning right. something that okay well i want to be able to fit into those jeans that might be a, a a good goal for a lot of people but it's not something once you fit into those jeans then what's next you're going to have that i won't be happy until kind of mentality and it's not having that mentality it's like what's my why how am i going to get there and my why has to be big enough for me to go through this journey so when it's when that day shows up and i'm and I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like going to the gym. I don't feel like, I mean, we live in California and it's sunny all the time, but at the same time, it's, it's um, that willpower of being able to get up and go to the gym. Willpower isn't always there. No. And no. when it's not there, it's like you have to push past that in order to say, okay, well, oh man, it's, it's time for me to get up and go for a walk and just something to get you moving so that way you, you know, your body gets used to it. And like I said, even with nutrition, I'm going to eat this way because I want to X. Yeah. And that X has to be bigger than everything else. Yeah, you're connecting with me on so many different levels when you said all that, Bruce, because when I first found working out, my, my old buddy Pridmore back in college, I was binge drinking like mad one summer, and I was in a pretty bad place, and he came over, and he grabbed the bottle of booze out between my legs, and he's like, you got to start going to the gym with me, mm -hmm. and we, you know, I won't get too deep into that story, but let's just say there was a lot of back and forth, and finally, I was like, okay, and when he got me into the gym, it took some time for me to start seeing changes, but all of a sudden, working out became my way of staying off alcohol. But then ultimately, the willpower to go to the gym would lose out to the willpower to want to drink that bottle of vodka. And so my 30s was mired in a lot of that. And when I got sober in January, one of the things I knew that would, you know, it, willpower is not enough reason to get sober. You have mm -hmm. to actually look in the mirror and say, either you make this change or you never reach your potential or you just die young. Mm -hmm. And when I made that decision that I'm ready to full on change my life, there's no willpower to me not drinking anymore. I don't even think about alcohol. I can't believe how quickly that door was closed and I don't even think about what was on the other side. Yeah. That's how I see my nutrition and that's how I see my gym too. Like it, It's not a nuisance to me to go to the gym. It's one of my favorite things to do every single day. But it took me years to get to that point. And I feel like some people, they get in, they do it through three months, they fit in those pair of jeans or they look skinnier to go on the cruise and then they come back 
and nothing's really changed. And now yeah. they just go back to eating the way they were. And then they're like, oh, well, I'll fix it again later. I see celebrities be able to pull that off. And maybe that's the mentality that got them there. Mm-hmm. You'll see somebody like, you, you, you will get, you know, Matthew McConaughey gets crazy skinny for Dallas Buyers Club, then gets crazy fat for True Detective. Then the next month you see him on the cover of People and the dude's got <laughs> ripped abs. Yeah. Well, these are people who have millions of dollars who are getting paid to look that way. So they can do nothing but focus on losing lots of weight, gaining lots of weight, or just being fit. Yeah. For the normal person, they have just such a deep, rich or lack thereof but still a very compact schedule kids and baby and this and that uh what is you know i want to get over to the fitness soon so we're going to wrap up on this when people say they've just got such a jam-packed schedule they don't know where they can fit eating healthier which is much easier i think eating healthier than it is fitness Mm -hmm. fitness you got to go to a gym yeah eating healthier you just change the way you do some people say i don't even know how to cook What's your answer to that? Because they, most people, a lot of people I know microwave their meals mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. So w- whenever you hear that from somebody, do you think that's a false hurdle? you think that's just bullshit when they say that? Or do you think that's a legitimate excuse? It's so funny that you say that because um, one of my clients yesterday, um, um, he was actually talking about, hey, I didn't get a chance to eat anything today. Well, no, he said he ate breakfast. And this was about, I talked to him like around 7 or 8 last night he's like all i ate today was this like well why is that all you ate? well i've had a lot of meetings I'm like well that's not an excuse the thing is is that he's like well i didn't have time well no it's not that you didn't have time the thing is that you didn't prepare boom and it's all about preparing yourself for what's to come you have some people that will meal prep like the week and that's and that's not for everyone that's definitely not for everyone i'm one of those people yeah you know but the thing is that if you know that okay i have a busy monday especially if you're um you know you're a businessman businesswoman or whatever and you have a monday is the beginning of the week or whatever i have a busy monday so how am i going to get through my monday where i eat where I get my work done and I'm not lacking in any part of that because my energy has to stay up in order for me to maintain my work schedule. Then you have to prep. You have to, uh, hey, on my way to work because I didn't get a chance to cook last night or because I don't meal prep, on my way to work, what I'm gonna do is that I'm gonna stop by Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or something like that and I'm gonna find, get me some fruit, get me some, you know, like different things like that. You can actually just store with you until, you know, okay, well, I'm not gonna be able to eat till lunch. I ate my breakfast. Maybe I need to eat something to sustain me between that time because I don't know if I'm gonna have a 12 o'clock lunch or a two o'clock lunch or a three o'clock lunch. Right. Then I have my apples, my oranges, my whatever to do that. It's all about, it's, it's not about having time because if, if I was to tell someone that, hey look, if you say that you don't have time, if I tell you to meet me tomorrow and I will give you, you know, a million dollars or whatever you'd have time to meet me for that million dollars (laughs) so it's about being able to look at your look at your big picture you have to look at your big picture and sometimes that big picture isn't being able to see the entire week but just seeing what that next day looks like and that time time is is it's you know Time is what you make make it. it. Yeah. You know, time is what you make it. And you can have as little of it as, you know, as you want or as much of it as you want. It's just how you basically tackle that task. I used to get made up. I used to take uh, 
Second City improv classes, and my, mm-hmm. my, my other people in my class would make fun of me because I would always carry around a bag full of carrots and then almonds, cashews, walnuts in, a, in another bag, and then like a protein powder. And like I always, I, they knew I was always rolling with a hell of a ton of food in my backpack because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't ever want to. Back then, I thought the idea was it's the moment you get hungry, you should feed yourself. And if I'm not going to be at home to cook real food, then I would always, I mean, it's the green bag I'm carrying in here today. I would just be jacked full of food. <laughs> I'd roll, that thing would be five pounds with I mean I'd, I'd carry around chicken breasts already cooked in a baggies I didn't care if it was room temperature E. coli be damned I'm gonna eat when I want to eat yeah and so now uh, at least for me I was I was always thinking about the uh, 12 hours you know what's you know now that I intermittent fast I can I'll just fast all day until I get home and I can eat if that means I eat all my calories in one sitting or if that means I go home and protein shake it but for the rest of the people I, I feel like they don't put that kind of thought out there mm-hmm. I mean that's just nutrition when it comes to fitness they're not they're putting even less thought and the fitness is a, is a is a wicked beast I mean when you get new clients who come in you've already got to talk to them about fitness we all know abs are made in the kitchen and that's 80% of what's going to happen to your body but for the Zara's at 20% in the gym, what are you seeing as some of the real long-term, non-trendy ways of working out that you could still see being around in 5, 10, 15, 20 years? I mean, HIT and CrossFit are relatively new to the communities yeah. at large, but yet, is there a longevity there? Do you see HIT being a longevity way? Uh, lots of weight training and then two or three days of cardio? What's, what is your, you recommend to your clients or how do you see it going? Well, again, I look at fitness almost like I look at nutrition, where you have to approach it from a client, you know, from, from your client standpoint. And what I mean by that, like, I think HIT training, I think HIT training is going to always be around. I think uh, being able to, to give that kind of output in a short period of time, whether it's one minute on, one minute off, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, Tabata, all of that, I think that's going to always be around. And that's a good way of getting, you know, getting your heart rate up and, and burning fat. Um, I think a lot of CrossFit, which, you know, I was part of the CrossFit community, still am a little, little bit part of the CrossFit community, yeah. but I think CrossFit is now turning into where you have, before when I started doing CrossFit, you had a lot of people that were, um, that were athletic, that were really athletic, and they were looking like looking for an al- another alternative way of working out versus going to the gym because it was either getting boring to them and they needed something. They had this competition type mindset and all of that. Now you have uh, people going in to do CrossFit that has never lifted a barbell before, that has never picked up a kettlebell before, uh, that has never done a handstand push-up and, and all of that. So now CrossFit is slowly, it's, CrossFit is going to be there, I think always going to be there from an athletic standpoint where you have the CrossFit games and, and different competitions and everything. But I think slowly, though different elements of CrossFit as far as like their classes is going to start turning into more of your HIIT training type styles because I've seen a lot of CrossFits here in LA that have started adding an alternative type class to their CrossFit because they need something to, uh, I guess, kind of, uh, kind of a stepping stone into getting yeah. into CrossFit where people are coming in. It's like, okay, well, I need to learn how like to... Like SoulFit. Yeah. Remember, yeah. they had yeah, the SoulFit soul class where they did a lot of Tabata stuff because you're taking someone who wants to get healthy, who saw this, and then you're over there saying, oh, what was that? I think there was one way where like, oh, you pick the bar up like that, and it's like, you squat. I cannot hold the bar above my head and squat. I just can't. Oh, overhead squats. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't have that kind of flexibility. And yeah. uh, what got my goat about CrossFit, which is why I ultimately left it, was 
was it just seemed like every single day was a leg workout. And, you know, and I remember Jeff, one of the owners, and that dude was jacked up on top. But I was like, dude, you're not you're not giving us any kind of training that's going to make our, our upper halves look like your upper half. But my <laughs> lower – my legs had never been more in shape. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was what turned me off of it. It mm-hmm. was that just in general. So do you, I mean, for people who've never lifted a bar, have you noticed the attrition rate for those people? Like they come in thinking, oh, this is going to be the way. Because there's lots of people on YouTube who will make fun. Oh yeah, you see great results in the first month. What about the month seven? Like it's almost like you peak because it's the same workout constantly. Well, I mean, CrossFit is changing up a lot. I mean, like I said, the CrossFit games are going on right now and they even have like uh, obstacle courses and different things like that. So I, it's slowly starting to seem like it's becoming an overall, like they're trying to do more of a well-rounded because CrossFit is very linear, very straightforward, no lateral movements, anything like that, which is where I know a lot of these gyms that are adding the HIIT training, it's like adding that in to be able to do more of that linear, you know, that uh, change of direction type training rather. Um, so it's like people that are going into CrossFit, I think – like I said, I think CrossFit has its uh, has its his audience. It has this niche of people that they want to go in. They want Olympic lift. They want to uh, be pushed as hard as they can and pick up as much weight as they can within a certain time frame. But that's not for everybody. That's not for the masses. And uh, the masses are those people that uh, that you see doing the class pass and and different things like that because and and even with that they're doing the class pass but that's even i look at that as kind of a a confusion type training where okay i don't really i i want to do everything i don't really know what i like yet i don't really know what works for me yet so i'm just going to try everything right um which is like i said which is cool because you have to experiment you have to see what you like i loved crossfit still do some elements of crossfit but right now i've been doing a lot of boxing and the kind of conditioning I get from boxing is, I mean, it's, I walk out of there with a full chest and everything. I've hit some stuff. I got some aggression out and all of that. And it's, it's a good thing. So, so kind of to go back to what you were saying, I think that um, in the long run, I think every workout or every type of fitness is going to have its place. I just think that the people that are going to gravitate towards it is going to be that niche crowd. Uh, where your CrossFit athletes are going to stay your CrossFit athletes. Yeah, a lot of people say that there's a lot of room for injury with CrossFit. And I think that comes from um, the coaches. I think that comes yeah, from You were great at that because, I mean, you went in, you guys, uh, that, in fact, that entire Seoul, I don't even think that Seoul City exists anymore. It's, it's, it's got a different name. It's still CrossFit. But you guys were habitual with making sure that we knew how to do the form correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, habitual. And I, I, a lot of people tell me they go to CrossFit gyms and they're like that. They don't care about form. And I'm like, well, that's not my experience. Yeah. I've been to others since then that really didn't, they, they were not paying attention. So when you got to this third set of, you know, trying to do uh, hacks, you know, hack squats or whatever, and then go sprint a mile and come back, well, you're not going to have the same amount of energy and you're going to start doing shitty form. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <clears throat> I could, that that was to me what always turned me off about that. And like I said, it comes down when it's in, I think any type of training period, but of course with CrossFit, when you have a lot of volume, you have people that are lifting really heavy weight, you have uh, technique involved with a lot of these movements. If the coach isn't on 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 top of these athletes, and of course you have some classes that can range from five to twenty people in a class, um, 
but when the coaches aren't on top of these athletes, then it then becomes one of those things where people start to get injured and they uh, then they've gone from wanting to get fit in the gym to now I have to recover in order to get back to the gym. Right. And if they didn't have enough willpower to get into the gym. The first time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe go back. You know, I used to really be a big proponent of spin classes and of, uh, you know, even I, mean, I used to run five K's like, eat, like some people yeah. eat cookies. What's your feeling? Because I, I've been doing a fair amount of research on that, that doing long term, long, you know, not long term, like as in months, but just long term as in like that, that, that visit to the gym, doing an hour on a spin bike is, isn't as beneficial as doing, you know, weights and then maybe some sprints on the treadmill or some sprints on a sprint bike. What's your What's your history with that? Uh, what, what's worked for you or your clients when it comes to? Because some people swear, I'll, you know, oh, I spin five days a week. I'm like, well, then, you know, you're still 30 pounds overweight. What mm-hmm. do you do? It's either your nutrition or it's your fitness. Yeah. Let's take away from nutrition. Let's just focus on fitness. What's your experience with people doing long term? Well, I always look at people. Uh, I always compare it to. Uh, a sprinter versus a marathon runner. Um, you have you have people of all shapes and sizes doing marathons, but you look at your sprinters and you see the top of body that a sprinter has that's that's able to run like a you know, like Hussein Bolt. Yeah, that's about that's who I was picturing. <laughs> the guy looks like somebody poured skin over a Terminator. Yeah, like he is amazing. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it all it all ties in where you're. Like I said, the nutrition and all that stuff, it all ties in. But when you have people that are giving, that are doing more of the the spinning and they're up out of the seat, down on the seat, you know, triceps, all that type of stuff. It's, if you're moving, I'm like, if you're moving, it's good. If you haven't been moving and you start to move and spinning is your thing and all that, it's good. But when you're looking at, okay, well, how am I going to change my body now? How am I going to now go from, uh, you know, I'm, I've lost a little weight. Now I need to up it a little bit. Sprints, wonderful. I, I Just like you, I used to run 5Ks a lot. I would, probably like three days a week I would run a 5K. And the thing that made it fun for me is that I had like a little app. I had my headphones in and I would try to beat my, my mile time every single mm-hmm. time. But I was sprinting and different things like that. So, um, so I think the sprinting, the hit training, all that is definitely a plus uh, when it comes to wanting to change your body, when it comes to wanting to see different types of, of uh, muscle, muscle definition and uh, uh, a combination of doing strength training and doing uh, sprints, uh, stairs, all of those different things. A lot of things that you can do outside. You don't even have to have a gym, but a lot of things that you can do outside with your friends. I mean, kids, not kids today, but kids, when I was younger, we'd be outside running up and down the street all the time, running full all speed the all time. the time the street. And uh, so I think we have to approach even fitness today like we would if we were kids. It's like, it's, a, it's being able to uh, take those functional movements and be able to execute them to the best of our ability but at the same time it's like okay i'm doing my my 5ks every day and i'm doing my spinning and all that like i said the community is good vibe is good listen to music everything but when you want to see changes to your body get out there do hit training get out there and uh balls to the wall run some uh some uh some suicides find yourself a nice little football field run some suicides 
If you have access to it, grab like a kettlebell, put it in the end zone, do some suicides, run to the end zone, do like maybe five burpees, five kettlebell swings or whatever like that, and give yourself a time cap on that. Okay, I want to try to, and, and to better yourself, if you're giving yourself a time cap to better yourself, let that be a benchmark. Find that benchmark workout that you can do, that you can test yourself on once a month or once every two months to see, am I getting better? Am I getting stronger? Am I getting faster? I, because those abs and those shoulders and all that stuff that you see is basically just a byproduct of what you're going to be getting once you start seeing those improvements on moving faster and right. lifting heavier and all of that. Then you look at yourself in the mirror and like, oh, wow, look at, hey, I didn't, I didn't even yeah. know I could make my pecs move like yeah. that. <laughs> well, I'm a huge proponent for writing things down. I have some benchmark exercises. I've noticed in the past when I go to do a new one, <laughs> Maybe I half-ass it a little bit the first time because I mm -hmm. want to set the bar really low. Mm -hmm. But when you go back to do it that second time, you're, you're, you're all out. And I've actually found that that second one really is what my true benchmark is. And then each time I try to better it, it gets much more intense. But I see people in the gym constantly walking around not writing down their numbers. And yeah. for me, I, I, it, it, I, sometimes I don't even go back, honestly, Bruce, and relook at those. Like I've got workout books from seven years ago that I still have. I don't go back and look at them because when I do, and I crack them open once in a while, I've noticed the numbers are about the same, which doesn't surprise me because my body pretty much looks the same. Yeah. But at least I'm not 50 pounds overweight anymore. At the same time, what, each time I go to the gym, I've got at least that last session. So I know, okay, what is it I did last time? Well, you know... Uh, 80 pound dumbbell incline presses was tough, but I got my six in, yeah. you know, now this time, let's see if I can get my six in and then instead of dropping down to 70 for my next set at eight, I'm going to stay at 80 and see if I can get eight there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I know I can move up in my six. I don't know how people don't write things down and never see any difference. Uh, do mean, you it, write things comes, down? Do you see other people not writing things down and yet getting results? I mean, I see some people that have, uh, that don't write anything down, but more the more people the people that I see that's that's really seeing the results that they want to see are the people that keep some type of log, some type of log. It doesn't have to be really anything too detailed, but it could be okay. I did six reps with this weight this time, um, but it's like how will you know if you're improving, especially like lifting, if you're getting stronger, if you're getting faster. How do you uh, how do you know that you're improving if you don't have anything to look back at to see oh my time in in my 400 was this my uh, 2000 meter row was this yeah. my bench press was this I mean everything that's you know everything is measurable you look at uh, the the combine like these guys go to do the combine and they get measured your everything. your bench press it's everything they yeah, I think they measure their toes. I think, yeah. I've, I've, I think I've read somewhere where they, they measure toes because that has something to do with likelihood of injury and yeah. uh, ability to push off foot faster. Like they measure everything. So that right there should tell you. And like I said, it then comes down to commitment. You, you're committed. You have a goal. You want to be fit. You watch what you eat. You write down what you, you know, like what you do in the gym and all that. And unfortunately everyone doesn't have that mentality so it's about finding what's gonna work i mean you have some people that have like these little bands that shock them that let them know hey yeah. you didn't work out today they get like a little jolt but that works for them yeah and it's like a doggy fence yeah exactly so it's finding and like i said i can't say this enough to people that you i can't mirror what you're doing what you're doing is not going to work for me what i'm doing is not going to work for you but there's certain elements where it's like yeah it might be similar but 
I can't say, okay, well, I'm going to take Jesse's workout and I'm going to do this and I'm going to look like Jesse. Like, no, that's not a realistic way of approaching it. It's finding out, maybe finding out what you do and trying it and saying that didn't work for me. I need to do, I can't, I don't, I can't do bench press at this weight. I have to do this. I can't do five sets. I have to do two sets, I have to do whatever. It's an experiment with your body. It's, it's taking that, um, it's taking things, different elements of fitness, different elements of nutrition, and then saying, okay, well, I'm going to be my own personal experiment. And I have a goal of what I want to be able to achieve. And with that goal now, it's like reverse engineering. It's like looking at the big picture and now yeah. I'm going to go in reverse on how I'm going to get to that point. And uh, it's, like I said, taking that information and saying, okay, well, I have to see what's going to be the best thing for me. Maybe it's getting up, running 20 minutes in the morning. And then after I run 20 minutes, then I'm going to do a nice little hit training. I mean, my workout, my personal workout, like I love doing things where I'm constantly, constantly moving. I'm constantly moving. And uh, those and are some, my favorite workouts too. And, and sometimes my workouts might even mirror my workouts might be an hour long workout, but that hour long workout is me doing uh, a nice little hip workout that lasts like anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. Then I might do Tabata sprints where I'm on an incline where I do that like uh, for like four, four to eight minutes and so on and so on and so on, which equals up to, okay, well, I just did 60 minutes worth of, worth of training right now. Um, so, but that works for me. And my body's used to that and my body responds to that. So, but I wouldn't have known that if my initial, my initial uh, start in the gym from going to bench press and doing the, the regular routine, what you see everybody yeah. doing, if I had just stuck to that, then I wouldn't have seen all the results that I see up until now. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot older than a lot of my, my uh, people that I train with, but I'm still able to keep up with these fellas. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> before we go to, I want to wrap up with Fit for the Stage, but I'll never forget when I was about mid-30s and I started, you know, try, I mean, again, my 30s were full of working out, but not very good because I was always also working out with 12-ounce curls. My dad <laughs> would always tell me, he's like, when I'm 65, I want to be able to do the same things I did when I was 40 and 45. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, he could. I don't think he could shred up the, the mountains like he did with the skis back, back in the day. But now that I'm in my 40s, that you know, I stopped thinking, I'm, I just need to get back in this pair of pants. I need to be able to wear that vest. Oh, I've got a, I got something coming up in the summer. I want to look good. When I really turned the corner on my nutrition and fitness is when I started just seeing it as a way of life so that when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, that somebody can say, oh, you know, we, let's, let's go do this. I don't ever want them to say, well, we can't take, you know, grandpa, we can't take Jesse because, mm -hmm. you know, he gets tired walking around the mall for 10 minutes. You know, you see some of these old people, like people don't want to go places with them because they walk so damn slow yeah i mean i get when i'm 80 i'm not gonna walk the same don't, you listeners out there are 80 don't get pissy about that but <laughs> let's face it you see some of those older people and you're, you're like they almost annoy you whenever they want to come out and do stuff with you because like they can't it's like they can't even do basic walking upstairs type stuff yeah and i just feel like if you're looking at that like i started moisturizing i started using lotion because when i was 18 some dude in his 50s was like dude start moisturizing now and trust me when you're 40 you're gonna look 25 mm -hmm. i started moisturizing it wasn't even good lotion it was like suave and crap <laughs> i put it on my face 
face, I didn't give a damn. And I still let people tell me I look like I'm in my 20s and I'm yeah. 40. And so I feel like that's the way fitness is. Like, just work out now. And when you're 80, you'll be like Jack LaLanne. I mean, that dude was going on freaking The Tonight Show, yeah. doing push-ups. He was like 92 years old. Yeah, I have no idea how he's dead. I thought he was going to go forever. <laughs> um, so I love the fact that you coach everybody up to, ch- to turn it into a fitness lifestyle so let's go uh let's wrap this up because we're, we're nearing the the 40 minute mark all right cool. you got you got this thing about fit for the stage and uh, you were talking about that earlier about getting people fit for on the stage and we, we were just talking about the journey and not necessarily the destination with fit for the stage how are you taking people who spend their careers performing and having them turn what you teach them into a lifestyle and not just well i got a tour coming up you know you know what before we let's i'm jumping too fast okay explain to the listeners what the hell i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when I when I came to LA, I actually came out here f- as a musician, singer, songwriter, all of that. Uh, got a record deal. Everything was cool. Uh, and but I spent a lot of long time, you know, long hours in the studio writing and everything. So what um, basically kind of coming to where I am now, <coughs> um, fit for the stage is about being able to. Uh, give a little bit more longevity to the career of singers, songwriters, to people on stage and off the stage within the music industry. Um, what it does is that a lot of people look at your Beyonce's, look at your Jay-Z's, look at all these people that are, uh, just say, they're, they're blinging and making it and all that type of stuff in the music industry, but they don't have an idea of what goes on behind the scenes in the music industry and the struggles and uh, the long night in the studios and different things like that. And so the importance of being able to have that longevity in the music industry, especially today, is being able to now go back and see how you're eating. What is your, what is your health like? What is your physical, mental health like? And Fit for the Stage is about helping artists to be able to understand how that physical and mental health being, if that's on point, then it can help actually help you with your longevity in the music industry. You look at uh, artists like Tina Turner and Madonna and Justin Timberlake, all of these people put has, have fitness as a part of their lifestyle. And yeah, you can say, just like you were saying earlier about you know celebrities, they get paid to do this, but if you're an upcoming singer, if you're an established singer, you can have the best song, you can be in the studio writing the best hits, all of that stuff, but if your, uh, if your nutrition isn't there to help you with being able to sustain that energy within the studio, if you're not being physically fit to help you to, that your cognitive functions and brain fog and being able to be creative and all this stuff, all the things that you are within the studio and as an artist, then all comes back to how you take care of your body, how you take care of your mind, your body, your spirit, all of that. And if you're neglecting any of that, at some point in time, you're gonna hit a brick wall. What, what is your response to people who hear that, which I believe, because I, you know, again, I feel like we're cut from the same cloth on this, but then they say, well, what about, you know, the Rolling Stones, or what about Bruce Springsteen back in the day, or hell, even Eddie Vedder and Nirvana and all of them, they were, they were on heroin, or they were drinking a lot, they were smoking a lot, they were snorting cocaine. I mean, these people were crazy, per, crazy creative. They have longevity in their careers. I mean, mind you, I don't think Eddie Vedder does anything anymore, and that's been for decades. But what's the, you know, they're like, well, back in the 60s and 70s, everyone was on a diet of cocaine and speed 
somehow they were creative, and now why is it 2017 everyone all of a sudden needs to be eating right? I mean, uh, besides the fact that food's not the same way that it exactly. was back That's in the 70s. <laughs> food's not the same. Food is not the same. Times are different. And as you can see, yeah, these guys had hit songs. They had hit songs. They sell out arenas and all that. But these guys are still doing concerts. You can go to a Rolling Stone concert and you can see Mick Jagger dance across the stage just like he was when it was in the 60s or whatever. And that's not coming from him not taking care of himself. That's right. not him waking up and being like, I can go in and slide across stage and, you know, all that. That's not happening now. And Keith Richards might just stand there and play a guitar and still exactly. be fucked up. But sorry for my language. But, <laughs> uh, but Mick Jagger, you know that guy's doing some Tabata. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it, and so, like I said, when you look at these older artists that are out there, these artists that were are these superstars, you might want to call them these superstars. At some point in time, all of that stuff went out of the window. It wasn't like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this the rest of my life and I'm going to have a successful career. And like I said, it's a different time right now. It's a different time because one, like I said, food is not the same. It's definitely not the same. We're living in a, in a microwave type of type with a type of mentality. Microwave whatever. Monsanto world. I, exactly. And, uh, and like I said, when I was in the studio and no one really talked about this stuff, it was we were in the studio, eight to 12 hour lockout and we're ordering pizza we're going to the vending machines we're doing that stuff and you know that was our lifestyle and it wasn't like our managers weren't telling us hey why don't you guys go for a run why don't you guys you know they weren't trying to get people to help us stay in shape to be ready to get on stage and dance and sing and all of that and when you're on the road for for days weeks months and you're not prepared for that and you're stopping at your McDonald's or your whatever, even though there's a lot more out there that you can go to, but you're not having any, you're not seeing a tour bus pull over to Whole Foods and, yeah. and you know, go in there and get like really nutritious foods, bring some apples and oranges on the bus or whatever. Right. And so, um, so, like I said, going back and having that mentality of, of keeping your body right, building your body from the inside out, singers, artists, all, they're athletes. And they have to look at their bodies like that because if you, if you don't train your body the way that it needs to be trained in order to perform the way it needs to perform, like I said, you're going to hit a brick wall. Right. And when you hit that brick wall, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to mentally break down. If you mentally break down, then that's going to mess with your career. If that messes with your career, then you're going to find yourself uh, in a position where you're going to be asking yourself, what happened? What went wrong? At what point in time did I veer down the wrong, you know, like the wrong fork in the yeah, road? Yeah, because nothing is more embarrassing in the industry than have to cancel certain stops on your tour mm -hmm. for something that the the public may not know could have been avoided, but you know, you know. That, I think that dude, I, I think the dude from Foo Fighters fell off of the stage and broke his leg, and he mm -hmm. still managed to keep playing with some throne chair or whatever. But then you hear about some other people that have breakdowns and like. You break your leg, you break your leg. No one expects to do that. But other ones where it might be mental or physical and they have to cancel stops on the tour, I, I would be willing to bet, and this is just me, my opinion, that if you went back and looked at their nutrition and fitness regimen, that you would start to see holes in it that caused, that yeah. could have foreshadowed what ultimately happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you have people that are, and yeah, everybody gets sick. People get the flu you know all these things happen your body breaks down you know stress all of this stuff plays a big factor in you know just any any human no matter what you do it all plays a big factor but when you're in that industry and you're in that industry where there's a lot of struggles that goes along with it one to make it two to stay on top 
and everything in between. So if you're when you're in that, it's a it's a little bit harder to say, okay, well, I'm going to uh, take time to go get some sleep or I'm going to take time and uh, go and eat right. I always say that if you're an artist and you're out on the road, try to go somewhere where you can eat with a fork. Go somewhere yeah. where you can eat with a fork, not a spork. Right, you can right. Eat, you can eat yeah, with a fork. So you fork. Can, yeah, you can sit down and you can Metal. eat. <laughs> exactly. Um, like I said, these, these different pointers that you can take uh, meditation, it helps a lot. And when I say get rest, I'm not talking about that you necessarily have to go to, you know, oh, I need to get uh, 12 hours sleep or anything like that. Sometimes getting rest is like basically detoxing from from social media, turning your phone off, going for a walk. That's uh, a good point. Like I said, sitting in a quiet room and just being with your own thoughts. Because, you know, like I said, being in a stressful environment, especially the industry, which can be a stressful environment, being in that stressful environment, you're constantly at that heightened level. And being a creative person, you, you're always putting your emotions out there. Depending on what type of songwriter you are, you're always putting those emotions out there. So it's always on that, on that edge, always on that teetering edge when you're sitting and you're writing that song about uh, the girl that left you 10 years ago or whatever. Uh, it's, it can then play a, a big part in, like I say, in your, in your mental and how you deal with things on a regular basis and how you deal with your managers and how you deal with the label. And today with the do-it-yourself artists, that's trying to do it all, that's trying to promote themselves on social media, that's trying to write the hit songs, that's trying to figure out who they are, it then becomes a lot more because now they find themselves busy from, from uh, 12 midnight till 12 midnight. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and without having that type of, like you said, with, with writing things down, without having that type of structure to their lives that I have to be able to function i have to be able to write these songs i have to be able to sing these songs i have to be able to perform these songs if i cannot do any one of those then that's going to stop my income that's going to stop my revenue i'm not going to be that commodity that people want to hear uh want to see or buy or stream their music at this point in time so as you start as you go to build this business to me it sounds like natural for the industry to want something like this. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm surprised there's not other tons of other people out there doing it. What is it you've like, because of your experience in the industry, being in music and dancing and singing and whatnot, do you feel mm -hmm. like you're going to have a special insight that maybe somebody who's just into fitness who says, I want to start helping Beyonce, you know, keep that all together for the entire tour. Do you feel like you're bringing special talents to the table other people may not quite understand? I think by knowing both sides of the table, by knowing uh, the industry, by being, by being an artist at one time and dealing with artist development and helping uh, artists see where their, where their direction is going in the studio and different things like that. And then knowing the aspect of fitness, I think being able to bridge that gap, I think that does give me somewhat of an edge because I know what it was like to go out and sing and then not know what to do with myself if I wasn't on stage. Right. And to basically be eating everything under the sun that wasn't good for me when I was like, oh, I'm, hey fellas, let's go get some food. And the first thing we do is we drive down the street to you know, to Carl's Jr. Or, or whatever. So, and all those things affected me in a way where uh, 
like I said, there was a point where I figured I have to get in shape. So apparently from that point up until that, up until that time, uh, I wasn't on point with my fitness. I wasn't on point with my health. And even from a mental aspect of going through anxiety and, and just kind of tripping out on myself or whatever for the most part, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones where it's like, you know, I didn't let it affect me in a way and I had, you know, people around me and all that type of stuff that was, you know, that I could talk to or whatever. But when you don't have that and you're that artist that's doing this stuff on your own, it could be like that you're in, you know, that you're in this locked room and nobody knows what you're going through. Everybody, yeah. everybody's looking on the outside and see that, oh, this person is working, they're writing, they're, they're dancing, they're doing this song. It seems like they always have a smiling face, but as soon as they hit that other room or whatever, they're sitting there and just like chilling and not knowing what to do with themselves. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, for you know, idle hands are the devil's tool kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can't, if you get, especially when you're touring, when you're on stage or practicing, you're either in a tour bus or in a hotel room. Yeah, yeah. So what are you doing to keep yourself on mark? And I think it's important that you get, you start to give these people structure. And so as you're building this business up, you know, what is, what is you think your timeline for you to build out the structure of it so that you can actually start bringing this to market? Well, I'm, um, I'm building it a little bit at a time. Right now I'm working on more branding than anything. But uh, I'm working with a company called Vocalize You. And with that, they do a lot of music retreats and uh, they're actually having a, a writer's workshop, but it mostly has to do with film and television where they're uh, partnering up with ASCAP. So that's going to be going on. And but what I've done with them was I'll go to their um, to their retreat and talk to a lot of the young artists about where they are or where they think they are in the industry right now and how health fitness plays a big part. And um how they need to kind of approach this. They need to approach their career as an entrepreneur because the way the industry has changed so much, you can pretty much do anything yourself right now. Yeah. But they have to approach this from an entrepreneur standpoint and knowing that they're the CEO. They're the person that's running this company. And if the CEO is down and out, nothing happens at the company. Nothing's going to run. Yeah. And so giving them that mentality has, has helped a lot. But like I said, right now, it's just dealing with uh, a few artists and kind of building it up from there. That's awesome. Yeah. I look forward to seeing how this goes. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. I, I get so geeked when it comes to music and health. It's like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's like my DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I can't sing or dance to save my life, although I'm currently taking lessons in, at least in the dancing aspect of it. But for me, music... You've got to videotape that and put it out. Oh, uh, <laughs> people, yeah, as a comedy, as a comedy <laughs> wait till you, I will not show you how I'm shuffle dancing right now, but let's just say it does not look good. <laughs> I probably should go take more classes on that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be great watching as you build that. Uh, definitely going to have you back on the show as that starts to grow. I loved your fitness and nutrition information. If there was one thing that you wanted to leave the audience with when it comes to just an overall sense of well-being in their life what is what is that what is like what is the message that you tell yourself what is what is that ultimate ah that you live your life by that helps you make sure that you keep your life in balance and your well-being going forward uh biggest thing is self first because uh Everyone else around you, friends, family, people that depend on you, people that are in your corner, people that aren't in your corner. But it's, it all has to come back down to, to loving self first and taking care of 
everything about you that can help others. Because like I said, it, it, all, it always comes back to if I'm not the best version of me, then I can't be the best version of me for my girlfriend or for my brothers or for my nieces and nephews or anything like that. So it's always keeping self first and not feeling guilty for doing that. Because once you start feeling guilty for doing that, that's probably somebody in your ear saying that, oh, so you don't, you know, like giving, giving you a little bit of a hazing about it or whatever. But right. block that out. Keep yourself first. Take care of you so you can then take care of others. That's a great message. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, guys. That was Bruce Ellaby. Um, can they find you? What's how, how do they find you social media wise? Are, are we there yet? Do we need to start broadcasting that out yet? Maybe uh, when, no, may, maybe no. once fit for the stage breaks out. Well, well let, let me get my the the branding and everything, and then uh, we'll have you I back mean, on. We'll talk yeah, more yeah. about this. We'll do that. I'll give you some information you can put up. I could I could rap about fitness and nutrition with you all the time, <laughs> man. You know, this guy used to used to bust my ass in CrossFit. It was it was a good time. It's some of the best shape of my life right there. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to Everything's Interesting with Jesse Mogul. I, of course, am Jesse Mogul. Again, would like to thank my guest, Bruce Ellaby. He has been here today. He's my very first time, and uh, we went an hour, which is about how I thought this was going to play out. Nice. <laughs> so find more information about Bruce as I obtain it at MediaMogul.com. Find me on iTunes at MediaMogul.com forward slash iTunes, Facebook, Media Mogul. I think you're getting the trend here. And every other social media platform that I choose not to do is at Jesse Mogul. Remember, guys, we were over here curating curiosity through compelling conversations. Until next time, thanks for joining the show.